Republic primary. No. Waxes pubic black cherry. No. Faxes subscript Hail Mary. No. It's Max's public library. Max's public library. Wow, that was wonderful. Thank you. Welcome uh, to episode two of Max's Public Library, only on WECB, the underground sound of Emerson College. My name is Max Charbonneau. And for those of you first-time listeners, this is a radio show I created where I read an entire young adult novel on air for an hour with no breaks. Now here's an anecdote about books to start the show. Growing up, we didn't have much. We ate saltines every morning and trapped live parrots for sale in the market. But while we couldn't afford furniture, my mom and great aunt Lillian would go to the corner store every Sabbath and buy dozens of books to keep us company. We turned books into coffee tables, sofas, dishwashers. We built it all out of books. Most impressive was the amount we made out of books to secure our 70 inch flat screen TV to the wall so we could watch movies and television all night long. And when we got chilly, we'd toss novel after novel into the fireplace and burn them to keep our house warm. We must have burned a thousand books a week, which goes to show you how important reading truly is. In fact, reading taught me everything. It taught me how to be a man and reinforced my hyper-masculine identity that I shove in everyone's face. It taught me how to catch fish and waterboard turtles. Slowly, it would tell me. It taught me how to have tender, consensual intercourse with men and women every night, every morning, and on Saturdays. Books are my best friend. In fact, the best man at my wedding will be a copy of Grapes of Wrath, and for cake, we'll eat Paper Towns by John Green. And that's a perfect segue, because I'm the perfect man. And now for today's book. Today we have a real treat. Uh, we're reading a book from another classic young adult horror series. Now, a lot of you who listened last week know we read the wonderful Animorph series, which was jam-packed with cockroach descriptions, gay panic, and ableist language. But something all adults can relate to. Um, now this week we're reading another series um, that I've always been too afraid to read uh, because they looked scary uh, when I was in first grade. Uh, I was too afraid to look at the covers uh, and all my friends would talk about them. And then I, I genuinely would have nightmares about what my friends told me that they read, um, which doesn't, uh, which, which is a little sad for me. Uh, this is a book I thought was about bird watching until I was horribly wrong. That's right, we're reading a classic from the catalog of R.L. Stein. Uh, it's, it's Welcome to the Dead House, part of the Goosebumps series. Now I went to the Emerson Library, which is a great library uh, at Emerson College. And um, I said, do you guys have any Goosebumps books? And they said, we only have this one. Um, so that's, that's why I'm reading this specific book is I wanted to do a Goosebumps book. And this is the only Goosebumps book that uh, I could find. So, um, uh, you know, the Animorphs I read the first page of, this one I didn't, I don't know what, I don't know what's happening at all. I, I, haven't, um, I haven't considered it. Uh, it. It looks scary. The, the back of the book, I'll read you the, the summary on the back. Josh and Amanda just moved into the oldest and weirdest house on the block. It might even be haunted. <laughs> Enter at your own risk but their parents don't believe them. You'll get used to it, they say. Go out and make some new friends. So Josh and Amanda do, but these creepy new friends are not exactly what mom and dad had in mind because they want to be friends forever, which that would have been great when I was in first grade. I had a friend named Amanda. 
Okay, without further ado, here we are. Chapter one. Josh and I hated our new house. Sure, it was big. It looked like a mansion compared to our old house. It was a tall red brick house with a sloping back roof and rows of windows framed by black shutters. It's so dark, I thought, studying it from the street. The whole house was covered in darkness as if we were hiding in the shadows of the gnarled old trees that bent over it. It was the middle of July, but dead brown leaves blanketed the front yards. Our sneakers crunched over them as we trudged up the gravel driveway. Tall weeds poked up everywhere through the dead leaves. Thick clumps of weeds had completely overgrown an old flower bed beside the front porch. This house is creepy, I thought unhappily. <laughs> Josh must have been thinking the same thing. Looking up at the old house, we both groaned loudly. Mr. Dawes, the friendly young man from the local real estate office, stopped near the front walk and turned around. The front walk? What is that? Everyone, everything okay? He asked, staring first at Josh, then at me with his crinkly, <laughs> crinkly blue eyes. With his crinkly blue eyes. Josh and Amanda aren't happy about moving, Dad explained, tucking his shirt tail in. Dad is a little overweight, and his shirts always seem to be coming untucked. <laughs> That's a weird, weird detail. It's hard for kids, my mother added, smiling at Mr. Dawes, her hand shoved into her jeans pockets as she continued up the front door, you know, leaving all their friends behind, moving into a strange new place. Strange is right, Josh said, shaking his head. This house is gross. Mr. Dawes chuckled. <laughs> it's an old house, that's for sure, he said, patting Josh on the shoulder. It just needs some work, Josh, Dad said, smiling at Mr. Dawes. No one has ever, no one has lived in it for a while, so it, it, it'll take some fixing up. Look how big it is, Mom added, smoothing her back, what? smoothing, oh, smoothing back her straight black hair and smiling at Josh. We'll have room for a dad and maybe a rec room, too. You'd like that, wouldn't you, Amanda? I shrugged. A cold breeze made me shiver. It was actually a beautiful hot summer day, but the closer we got to the house, the colder I felt. <laughs> I guess it was because of all the tall old trees. I was wearing white tennis shorts and a sleeveless blue shirt. It had been hot in the car, but now I was freezing. Maybe it'll be warmer in the house, I thought. How old are they? Mr. Dawes asked Mom, stepping onto the front porch. Mom, Amanda's 12, Mom answered, and Josh turned 11 last month. It looks so much alike, Mr. Dawes told Mom. I couldn't decide if that was a compliment or not. I guess it's true. Josh and I are both tall and thin and have curly brown hair like Dad's and dark brown eyes. Everyone says we have serious faces. I really want to go home, Josh said, his voice cracking. I hate this place. My brother is the most impatient kid in the world. And when he makes up his mind about something, that's it. <laughs> He's a little spoiled. At least I think so. Whenever he makes a big fuss about something, he usually gets his way. We may look alike, but we're really not that similar. I'm a lot more patient than Josh is. A lot more sensible too. Probably because I'm older and because I'm a girl. Josh had grabbed dad's hand and was trying to pull him back into the car. Let's go, come on dad, let's go. 
I knew this was one time Josh wouldn't get his way. We were moving to this house, no doubt about it. After all, the house was absolutely free. A great uncle of dad's, a man we didn't even know, had died and left the house to dad and his will. I'll never forget the look on dad's face when he got the letter from the lawyer. He let out a loud whoop and began dancing in the living room. Josh and I thought he'd flipped or something. <laughs> okay. My great uncle Charles has left us a house in his will, dad explained, reading and rereading this letter. It's in a town called Dark Falls. <laughs> huh? Josh and I cried. Where's Dark Falls? Dad shrugged. I don't remember your, I don't remember your uncle Charles, mom said, moving behind dad to read the letter over his shoulder. Neither do I, admitted dad, but he must have been a great guy. Wow, this sounds like an incredible house. He grabbed mom's hand and began dancing happily with her across the living room. Let's just take a second. Great, great uncle Charles is dead. Um, and he's dancing in celebration. It just seems like a little, a lot, not very tasteful. Also, R.L. Stein, Dark Falls, really? You couldn't have picked a more nuanced book name or not book, but town? Yeah, let's set this in Dark, Dark Falls. Jesus. Dad sure was excited. He'd been looking for an excuse to quit his boring office job and devote all of his time to his writing career. This house, absolutely free, would be just the excuse he needed. And now, a week later, here we were in Dark Falls, a four-hour drive from our home, seeing our new house for the first time. We hadn't even gone inside, and Josh was trying to drag our dad back to the car. Josh, stop pulling me! Dad snapped impatiently, struggling to tug his hand out of Josh's grasp. Dad glanced helplessly at Mr. Dawes. I couldn't, I could see that he was embarrassed by how Josh was carrying on. I decided maybe I could help. Let's go, Josh, I said quietly, grabbing him by the shoulder. We promised we'd give Dark Falls a chance, remember? I already gave it a chance, Josh whined, not letting go of dad's hand. This house is old and ugly. I hate it. You haven't even gone inside, dad said angrily. Yeah, let's go inside, Mr. Dawes urged, staring at Josh. I'm staying outside, Josh insisted. He can be really stubborn sometimes. I felt just as unhappy as Josh looking at this dark old house, but I'd never carry on the way Josh was. Josh, don't you want to pick out your own room? Mom asked. No, Josh muttered. He and I both glanced up the second floor. There were two large bay windows side by side up there. They looked like two dark eyes staring back at us. How long have you lived in your present house? Mr. Dawes asked Dad. Dad had to think about it for a second. About 14 years, he answered. The kids have lived there their whole lives. Moving's always hard, Mr. Dawes said sympathetically, turning his gaze on me. You know, Amanda, I moved here to Dark Falls just a few months ago. I didn't like it much either at first, but now I wouldn't live anywhere else. He winked at me. He had a cute dimple in his chin when he smiled. Let's go inside. It's really quite nice. You'll be surprised. All of us followed Mr. Dawes, <laughs> except Josh. Are there any other kids in this block? Josh demanded. He needed to sound more like a challenge than a question. Mr. Dawes nodded. The school's just two blocks away, he said, pointing up the street. See, mom quickly cut in. A short walk to school, no more long bus rides every morning. I liked the bus, Josh insisted. His mind was made up. He wasn't going to give my parents a break, even though we both promised to be open-minded about this move. I know what Josh thought he had to gain by being such a pain. I mean, dad already had plenty to worry about. Oh, I don't know, sorry. 
I don't know what Josh thought he had to gain about being such a pain. I mean, dad already had so much to worry about. For one thing, he hadn't been able to sell our old house yet. I didn't like the idea of moving, but I knew that inheriting this big house was a great opportunity for us. We were so cramped in our little house, and once dad managed to sell the old place, we wouldn't have to worry about all the money anymore. Josh should at least give it a chance. That's what I thought. Suddenly, from our car, at the foot of the driveway, we heard Petey barking and howling and making a fuss. Petey's our dog, a white curly-haired terrier, cute as a button, and usually well-behaved. He's never minded being left in the car, but now he is howling and yapping at full volume and scratching at the car window, desperate to get out. Petey, quiet, quiet, I shouted. Petey unusually listened to me this time. Oh, Petey usually listened to me, but not this time. I'm going to let him out, Josh declared and took off in the driveway toward the car. No, wait, Dad called. But I don't think Josh could hear him over Petey's wails. Might as well let the dog explore, Mr. Dawes said. It's going to be his house, too. A few seconds later, Petey came charging across the lawn, kicking up brown leaves, yipping excitedly as he ran up to us. He jumped on all of us as if he hadn't seen us in weeks, and then, to our surprise, he started growling men menacingly and barking at Mr. Dawes. Petey, stop it! Mom yelled. He's never done this before, Dad said apologetically. Really, he's usually very friendly. He probably smells something on me, another dog, maybe, Mr. Dawes said, loosening his striped tie, looking warily at our growling dog. Finally, Josh grabbed Petey around the middle and lifted him away toward Mr. Dawes. Stop it, Petey, Josh scowled, holding the dog up close to his face so that they were nose to nose. Mr. Dawes is our friend. Petey whimpered and licked Josh's face. After a short while, Josh set him back on the ground. Petey looked up at Mr. Dawes, then at me, and decided to go sniffing around the yard, letting his nose lead the way. Let's go inside, Mr. Dawes urged, moving a hand throughout his short blonde hair. He unlocked the front door and pushed it open. Mr. Dawes held the screen door open for us. I started to follow my parents into the house. I'll stay out here with Petey, Josh insisted from the walk. Dad started a protest, but changed his mind. Okay, fine, he said, sighing and shaking his head. I'm not going to argue with you. Don't come in. You can live outside if you want. He sounded really exasperated. I want to stay with Petey, Josh said again, watching Petey's, watching Petey nose his way throughout the overgrown flower bread. <sighs> Mr. Do I'm getting, this chapter's long. Can I just say that? This is a long, oh God, okay, there's, I'm on page nine. I think, I think this is a good uh, place to take a brief. This is a long chapter, so I'm going to pause it there. I'm on page nine. Um, uh, dad is. Dad's got some issues with Josh, and also Petey. Great name for a dog. Um, but as always, we have to do a brief break for our sponsors. Now I don't like doing these, but they pay my ballet classes, which I take on Thursday nights to improve my balance, poise, and technique. So let's just power through these and um, we'll get back to reading. Let me take a swig of water. Okay. It's oat milk season at Starbucks with rich and creamy recipes from oat milk Oatly oat milk, you can put your favorite non-dairy substitute in any beverage. For a limited time only, try our new shaken iced espresso beverage, jam-packed with brown sugar. Coffee not your thing? Try one of our new bright and fruity pineapple matcha or pink drinks made with coconut milk and ice. 
Use promo code Max's Public Library to get 25 stars on your next mobile order. You can use stars to cash in rewards. Once you have 400 stars, you can buy a free t-shirt. But that only happens when you spend enough money at Starbucks to get stars. So please come and get stars now, please. <clears throat> I am tough. I am powerful. I am a champion. That's why whenever I need the energy to power through on the field or in the courtroom, I drink Earl Grey tea. Earl Grey tea is the perfect beverage to start your morning and rev your engines. Whether you're about to hit the gym or help your best friend move into her new apartment, Earl Grey tea is the power beverage that gives you the strength to get through the day. Drink it hot, lukewarm, and throw in a little chai to get that good morning buzz. Not only will Earl Grey tea satisfy your needs, it'll help you satisfy your wife. Visit Prince Philip's Wikipedia page for more information. That's https colon forward slash forward slash en dot wikipedia dot org forward slash wiki forward slash prince underscore philip comma underscore duke underscore of underscore edinburgh for more. Passion. Fiesta. Drama. For decades, Drama Desk-nominated set designer Dave Butts has dazzled audiences with his vivid imagery and wild storytelling. Well now, Butts is back. With his new novelette, My Name is Tanya and I Know How Hard It Is to Be a Woman. With his stunning diction, Dave Butts tackles serious issues like being a woman on the subway, making change as a woman, and learning how to write a sitcom. Dave Butts has been a long supporter of the gay rights movement, and his book will dazzle audiences. Go to your local Barnes and Nobles today and steal a copy of My Name is Tanya and I Know How Hard It Is to Be a Woman by Dave Butts. If you put it in your bag, they won't be suspicious. <clears throat> it's our last one. It's our last ad before I go back to the book. <clears throat> Dining is all about customer service, which is why we promise 60-second service that starts with a smile and ends with one, too. Chick-fil-A is the nation's fastest growing chain, and we know how and we know to be successful, you need to put the people first. Chick-fil-A serves over 280 million chicken sandwiches per year. But to us, it's not about the money. It's about sharing love and giving. Which is why if you show up to Chick-fil-A with your straight heterosexual partner, Chick-fil-A will give you a bag of free potato chips with every order. Visit Chick-fil-A.com slash I am not gay to learn more about why love spreads fastest with chicken. And those are our ads. I apologize um, for that. I know that can be a lot. Um, I forget what chapter we were on. Uh, okay, I think I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip ahead. Last time, here's the deal. Last time we didn't finish the book, and I'd I'd like to get through as much of the book as possible. So I'm gonna skip ahead to chapter four. Um, so bear with me. We're on chapter four. Um, we're gonna have to assume some context, and that's fine. <clears throat> okay, for those of you reading along at home, it's page 29. Wipe your feet, don't track mud on the nice clean floors, mom called. Her voice echoed against the bare walls of the empty living room. I stepped into the hallway. The house smelled of paint. The painters had just finished on, on Thursday. It was hot in the house, much hotter than outside. This kitchen light won't go on, dad called from the back. Did the painters turn off the electricity or something? How should I know? Mom shouted back. Their voices sounded so loud in the big empty house. Mom, there's someone upstairs, I cried, wiping my feet on the new welcome mat and hurrying into the living room. She was at the window, staring out at the rain, looking for the movers, probably. She spun around as I came in. What? There's a boy upstairs. I saw him in the window, I said, struggling to catch my breath. Josh entered the room from the back hallway. 
He'd probably been with dad. He laughed. Is someone already living here? There's no one upstairs, mom said, rolling her eyes. Are you two going to give me a break today or what? What did I do, Josh whined. Listen, Amanda, we're all a little on edge today, mom started, but I interrupted her. I saw his face, mom, in the window. I I'm not crazy, you know. Says who, Josh cracked. Amanda, mom bit her lip, the way she always did when she was exasperated. You saw a reflection of something, of a tree probably. She turned back to the window. The rain was coming down in the sheet, coming down in, oh, in sheets now, not in the sheets. Different context. The rain was coming down in sheets now, the wind driving it noisily against the large picture window. I ran to the stairway, cupped my hands over my mouth, and shouted up to the second floor. Who's up there? No one answered. Who's up there? I cried a little louder. Mom had her hands over her ears. Amanda, please! Josh had disappeared into the dining room. He was finally exploring the house. There's someone up there, I insisted, and impulsively. I had started up the wooden stairway, my sneakers thudding loudly on the bare steps. Amanda, I heard mom call after me, but I was too angry to stop. Why didn't she believe me? Why did she have to say it was a reflection of a tree I saw up there? I was curious. I had to know who was upstairs. I, I had to prove mom wrong. I had to show her I hadn't seen a stupid reflection. I guess I can be pretty stubborn too. Maybe it's a family trait. The stairs squeaked and cracked, creaked under me as I climbed. I didn't feel at all scared until I reached the second floor landing. Then I suddenly had this heavy feeling in the pit of my stomach. I stopped, breathing hard, leaning on this banister. Who could it be? A burglar? A bored neighborhood kid who had broken into a empty house for a thrill? Maybe I shouldn't be up here alone, I realized. Maybe the boy in the windows was dangerous. Anybody up there, I called, my voice suddenly trembly and weak. I still, I leaned against the banister and listened. And I could hear footsteps scampering across the hallway. No, not footsteps, it's the rain. That's what it was. It was the patter of the rain against the slate shingled roof. But for some reason, the sound made me feel a little calmer. I let go of the banister and stepped into the long, narrow hallway. It was dark up here, except for a rectangle of gray light from a small window on the other end. I took a few steps, the old wooden floorboards creaking noisily beneath me. Anybody up here? Again, no answer. I stepped up to the first doorway on my left. The door was closed. The smell of fresh paint was suffocating. There was a light switch on the wall near the door. Maybe it's for the hall light, I thought. I clicked it on, but nothing happened. Anybody here? My hand was trembling as I grabbed the doorknob. It felt warm in my hand and damp. I turned it and, taking a deep breath, pushed open the door, appeared into the room, gray light filtered in through the bay window. A flash of lightning made me jump back. The thunder that followed was a dull, distant roar. Slowly, carefully, I took a step into the room, then another, no sign of anyone. This was a guest bedroom, or it could be Josh's room if he decided he liked it. Another flash of lightning, the sky seemed to be darkening. It was pitch black out there, even though it was just after lunchtime. I backed into the hall. The next room down was going to be mine. It also had a bay window that was looked that looked down in the front yard. Was the boy I saw staring down at me in my room? I crept down the hall, letting my hand run along the wall for some reason and stopped outside my door, which was also closed. Taking a deep breath, I knocked on the door. Who's in there? I called. I listened. 
Silence. Then, a clap of thunder, closer than the last. I froze as if I was paralyzed, holding my breath. It was so hot up there, hot and damp, and the smell of paint making me dizzy. I grabbed the doorknob. Anybody in there? I turned the, I, I started to turn the knob when the boy crept up from behind and grabbed my shoulder. That's the end of chapter four, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna read on to chapter five. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't cry out. Actually, you know what? No, I'm gonna keep going. My heart seemed to stop. My chest felt as if it was about to explode. With a desperate, terrified effort, I spun around. Josh, I scared, I shrieked. You scared me to death. Oh, it was just Josh. Okay, we should, actually, I'm gonna take a break because I'm, I feel like we should take a break before we read chapter five, which was a good call. Um, up next, um, I, I actually, uh, this is a little embarrassing, but um, I forgot to call my Aunt Linda yesterday. I usually call her every Saturday. And um, if you guys don't mind, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call her real quick to talk to her. Um, so just bear with me. I'm, I'm very sorry. This is my Aunt Linda. I'm gonna be calling. Um, I can you hear that? It's dialing. Hello? You know me in this phone. <laughs> Hi, Linda. Can you hear me? I can. I can. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm glad to call because I, I just put my teeth in. Okay. And I was thinking, I was thinking about um, the, uh, the text you sent me about Mom's Maple. Uh huh. And I and you said you wanted to know if I knew who Mom Maple was. Yeah, it's for it's for class. It was, it was well, assigned for class. Well, yeah. because you know we always challenge each other's knowledge. Right, right. So, anyways, I sent back some information. Was I right? I I don't know. I didn't. Um, you didn't read it. I didn't read it. No. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I responded. <laughs> well, okay. I'm sorry, Aunt Linda. Got a lot of my plate. Not that I, I just call. I I I'm just calling to say hi, asking how you are. I'm doing fine. And another thing I wanted to ask you about was your last week, your show last week. Yeah, the the yes, the yeah. radio show. Uh, well, yeah. What was the name of that? What was the name of the book you were reading? Was it is the Animorphs book? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, like, like I'm going to read it. Okay. Well, hey, but I anyways, don't know. <laughs> but anyways. So I started listening to it, okay? Uh-huh. And I'm and I'm listening, I'm listening. Yeah. And it sounded it sounded pretty good. You know, Thank you, read, you we read good. But then we get to the commercials. Okay. okay? And I don't understand so I don't understand the commercials. I'm thinking to myself, are these real commercials? I mean, are these real commercials? Yeah, they're real commercials. They're real sponsored commercials. Yeah, I'm sponsored by by Starbucks coffee. Really? Yeah, they okay. pay me they give me a lot of money. <laughs> okay, so then we got to, I was doing good, I was hanging in there. So, okay, you know, did you like it? That's what I was hanging in there, okay. then we got to the part, I think it was chapter four, I think, where okay. you lost me, because then we got into the Febreze commercial, okay, okay? And, I, and and it was a long entrance okay. to that Febreze, and, I'm, and I think you're talking about cockroaches or something, okay. and it's like, all of a sudden I envisioned cockroaches. Well, the book, the book's about cockroaches. No, it is. Yeah, the, the book was about co the, the whole plot of the book. I read the whole book on air. You didn't hear it? No, it's only because of that deep cockroach. Well, we, I, thought down. I didn't write it. Well, I didn't. You know, I never know with you. I never well, know if you write it or if you pull on my leg. Or if, I, I believe everything you say, so it's so funny. So 
that was a real book. Yeah, there was a real book I got from the Emerson Public Library. Isn't that something? But you always amaze me. I don't mean to be, oh, God, that's funny. Well, anyways, the commercials. And, and just now, you just said some good commercials. Thank you, those are real. Those are real commercials. Yes, I'm sponsored by Chick-fil-A. Isn't that the funniest? Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm doing pretty well for myself. Oh, I'm proud of you. You know me. I so what, what, what are you up to? What did you What did you do yesterday? What did I do yesterday? Yeah, what did you oh, do? Well, I'll see. I you really want to know? Yeah, I like, want to know. What did you What did you do? I cut my foods for the week. I peeled cucumbers. I peeled peppers. That's good. I made yogurt. I uh -huh. did all that stuff so that I'm healthy all week long. Good. That's good. So that's what I did. Good. You know, that's the that's about the size of it. Did you Did uh, you Did you watch anything special? Did I watch anything? Oh, Saturday nights are terrible, terrible night. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just watch, I love Shark Tank. Whenever show. Shark Tank's on, I watch Shark Tank forever. And then the other thing I like is Guy's Grocery Game. Oh, that's a good show. <laughs> Guy Fieri. And then I start testing your father on 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 terms, on food on food terms. Of course, I always lose. Right, that's fair. That's so fair. I, I, I got a new word. You want to know a new word? Okay, sure. Okay. I, I got the software chronicle. New okay, the word is new D branch. And this is a real word now. Okay. N U N U D I B R A N C H. Nudie branch. I don't know what that have means. You, have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. Well, let me tell you. I love it when I got one up on you, you know, because I can never get one up right. on you. Okay, so this is good. Well, in January, what they are is they are snails without shells okay okay so a and slug they're, and, they're, and they're quite colorful that's a slug it's a slug. no a snail without a shell is a slug okay it's a slug anyways and 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 up north in portsmouth new hampshire okay as you're going over the bridge sure in, in january and february you will see divers out in the water okay and in january and february these nudie branches habitate and there's pictures if you go online just look at the pictures they're very colorful big and colorful okay um, and it's just such a big big thing up here because you don't see things like that up here so anyways i just thought i'd tell you now where they go after february i, I, I have know. no clue i have no clue who eats them i have no clue oh that's all i know is people eat them that. huh people eat them i have no idea okay uh, i don't know if they got any predators i don't know you know where they go after February, but I just know that much, yeah. and that's good. Well, that's but fascinating. Isn't, isn't that the strangest word, nudie branches? Nude. That's I'm going to I'm going to use it every day now. Yeah, I got one other word. You want to hear it? Uh, okay, sure. This is a Joe Hayes word. You ready? Okay. <laughs> American. American. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. I know what American is. I think. M e r k i n. Okay. American. Please, please explain what American is. It's a it's it's a it's a type of wig. Uh-huh. Um I, I I won't tell you No, you can say it. I, I think we're on the same page. <laughs> it's a it's a female wig. Yes. Oh you knew that for for, for a vagina, Aunt Linda. I, I I have you're the only person that has known that. Every person I've tested I, yeah. has not known. What are you who are you oh. testing? Who are you asking about Merkins? No, but I always test everybody if they know my who, who, who are you asking about Merkins? 
Thank you. Jesus. I, I won't tell you how I know, but I, I know what American is. <laughs> okay, Ellen, I'm going to go. <laughs> okay, honey. Well, it's always a pleasure when you call. Always send me another text because I know everything. Okay. All right. <laughs> I love you, darling. I love you, too. This, is, this, book's, this, is, this book's a scary book, just so you know. Yeah, well, I, no, I, I like the one about the dog. You were just reading about a dog. Yep. Did you read that dog? I didn't. It's not, yeah, it's, it's in the book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye, Linda. I love you. I love you too. Okay. 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 Wow. Um, I didn't know she was going to bring up Merkins. Um, that's a colorful conversation. Uh, okay. Back to the book. Sorry about that. Uh, back. Yeah. Back to the book. Back to the book. Chapter, let's go chapter, uh, chapter 10. Yep. Okay, chapter 10. Those are you reading along at home, page 63. Okay. Uh, uh, the black clouds overhead seemed to lower. The air felt heavy and damp. Josh was fussing with Petey's collar and still didn't see what was happening. I wondered if Ray was going to say anything. Okay, there's someone named Ray now. Uh, okay, I think Ray's probably a kid, right? Okay, I wondered if Ray was going to say anything, if he was going to do anything to stop them, but he stayed frozen and expressionless behind me. The circle grew smaller as the kids closed in. I realized I'd been holding my breath. I took a deep breath and opened my mouth to cry out, hey kids, what's going on? It was a man's voice calling from outside the circle. Everyone turned to see Mr. Dawes coming quickly toward us, taking longer strides as he crossed the street, his open blazer flapping, <laughs> flapping behind him. He had a friendly smile on his face. What's going on? He asked again. He didn't seem to realize that the gang of kids had been closing in on Josh and me. We're heading over to the playground, George Carpenter told him. <laughs> okay, George Carpenter twirling the bat in his hand, you know, to play softball. <laughs> Good deal, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Dawes said, pulling down his striped tie, which had blown over his shoulder. He looked up at the darkening sky. Hope you don't get rained out. Several of the kids had backed up. They were standing in small groups of two and three now. The circle had completely broken up. Is that a bat for softball or hardball, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Dawes asked George. George doesn't know, another kid replied quickly. How many kids are there? The kids all laughed. Oh, uh, he, yeah, George playfully menaced the kid, pretending to come at him with a baseball, with a baseball bat. <laughs> Mr. Dawes gave a little wave and started to leave, but then he stopped and his eyes opened wide with surprise. Hey, he said, flashing me a friendly smile. Josh, Amanda, I didn't see you there. <laughs> Good morning, I muttered. I was feeling, I was feeling very confused. I am also very confused. <laughs> I don't know. A moment ago, I felt terribly scared. Now everyone was laughing and kidding around. Had I imagined that the kids were moving in on us? Ray and Josh hadn't seemed to notice anything peculiar. Was it just me and my overactive imagination? What would have happened if Mr. Dawes hadn't come along? 
How are you two getting along in the new house? Mr. Dawes asked, smoothing his back, smoothing back his wavy blonde hair. That's the second time R.L. Stein has said smoothing back someone's hair. I've never heard anyone use it. Mr. Dawes put an exaggerated hurt. Oh, sorry. Okay, Josh and I answered together, looking up at Mr. Dawes. Petey began to bark and pull at the leash. Mr. Dawes put an exaggerated hurt expression on his face. I'm crushed, he said. Your dog still doesn't like me. He, he bent over Petey. Hey, dog, lighten up. <laughs> Petey barked angrily. He doesn't seem to like anybody today. Oh, that's sorry. He doesn't seem like anybody today, I told Mr. Dawes apologetically. Mr. Dawes stood back up and shrugged. Can't win them all, he started back to his car, parked a few yards down the street. I'm heading over to your house, he told Josh and me. Just want to see if there's anything I can help you, help your parents with it. Have fun, kids. I watched him climb into his car and drive away. He's a nice guy, Ray said. Yeah, I agreed. I was still feeling uncomfortable, wondering what the kids would know would do now that Mr. Dawes was gone. Would they form that frightening circle again? No. Everyone started walking, heading down the block to the playground behind the school. They were kidding each other and talking normally and pretty much ignored Josh and me. I was starting to feel a little silly. It was obvious that they hadn't been trying to scare Josh and me. I must have made the whole thing up in my mind. I must have. At least, I told myself. I didn't scream or make a scene. At least I didn't make a total fool of myself. The playground was completely empty. I guess that most kids had stayed inside because of the threatening sky. <laughs> the playground was a large, flat, grassy field surrounded on all four sides by tall metal fence. There were swings and slides at the end nearest the school building. There were two baseball diamonds at the other end. Beyond the fence, I could see a row of tennis courts also deserted. Tennis. Tennis courts is a weird, weird thing for dark balls to have. Josh tied Petey to the fence, then came running over to join the rest of us. The boy named Jerry Franklin made up the teams. Ray and I were on the same team. Josh was on the other. As our team took the field, I felt excited and a little nervous. I'm not the best softball player in the world. I can hit the ball pretty well, but in the field, I'm a complete klutz. Luckily, Jerry sent me out, <laughs> sent me out to right field, where not many balls are hit. <laughs> The, the cloud began to part a little and the sky got lighter. We played two full innings. The other team was winning eight to two. I was having fun. I had only, only messed up on one play and I hit a double my first time at bat. It was fun being with a whole new group of kids. They seemed really nice, especially the girl named Karen Somerset who talked with me while we waited for our turn to bat. Karen had a great smile. Even though she wore braces on her teeth up and down, she seemed very eager to be friends. The sun was coming out as my team started to take the field for the beginning of the third inning. Suddenly, I heard a loud, shrill whistle. I looked around until I saw that it was Jerry Franklin blowing a silver whistle. Everyone came running up to him. We'd better quit, he said, looking at the brightening sky. We promised our folks, remember, that we'd be home for lunch. I glanced at my watch. It was only 11.30, still early. To my surprise, no one protested. They all waved to each other and called out farewells and then began to run. I couldn't believe how fast everyone left. It was as if they were racing or something. Karen ran past me like the others, her head down, a serious expression on her pretty face. Then she stopped suddenly and turned around. Nice meeting you, Amanda, she called back. We should get together sometime. Great, I called to her. Do you know where I live? I couldn't hear her answer very well. She nodded and suddenly she said, yes, I know it. I used to live in your house, but that 
couldn't have been what she said. That's the end of chapter 10. That's an eerie, although I do like her. I do like Karen Somerset. Braces up and down. Um, I'm realizing that, you know, jumping around may be good for the long term. It's with the ending quicker, but um, I'm, I'm having trouble following along. And I also seem to be choosing the chapters where the, where the least amount of stuff happens in them. Uh, I feel like that was a very boring chapter. And, and, and the chapter before it, I feel like had the excitement, which is a flaw, I guess, in the system. Um, but nonetheless, um, we're moving on to our next segment. Something I do that brings me joy um, sometimes is, is I like to read comic strips. I think they're really fun. Um, I, I get the newspaper from this kid named Brian every morning. He's 12. Uh, you know, I buy him spray paint and he gets me the paper. It's a good trade. Um, and you know, I didn't get the papers today because Brian didn't show up. So uh, um, I don't know what that's about, but I have my computer. So I thought it'd be fun if I read some classic comic strips. Uh, I, I think it'd be really fun on the, on the air. Uh, and Brian, if you're listening, uh, I have all of your spray paint, okay? So uh, just come to our spot outside the Walker building. Um, I can get you that spray paint. Um, I, just have, I just have so much of it. <laughs> and uh, it's the second time you've blown me off. So uh, let's just, you know, let's follow through with your part of the deal. You know? but, like, I don't understand what the issue is. You know, it's a quick thing. You just pick it up uh, and you get going. So uh, it's just the cartoons. Um, yeah, I'll just talk a little about what, it, what the panels look like and uh, we'll have some laughs. This first one is from uh, Far Side. Um, so in the first, in this first panel, uh, it's four cows and, and they're on a field and there's a, there's a road right next to them. And, and the three cows, they're all standing on their, on their, on their hind legs, like people. And, um, and then the, this other cow is saying car. And then the next panel, all the, all the cows are on their feet. They're back. Um, like they're back on four legs looking like uh, what, what we perceive cows look like and a couple's driving in a car. And then the last panel, the car's gone and they're all standing, they're all standing up again. So the joke, the joke there is that um, cows are, um, are tricking us. So this next, this next panel is Garfield. So uh, in this one, Gar Garfield and uh, I think his name is John. Is that his name John or, or Adam? Uh, they're they're standing they're sitting next to uh, an old telephone an old you know uh, with with um, the 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 rotary the dial and then John or, or whatever his name is he says Garfield why do we still have that thing and then the next panel they're they're the exact same position as they were the first time and then John says I vaguely recall that it that that it did have a purpose and then Garfield has a thought bubble and goes it did and then the final in the final panel uh, Garfield looks like he's a sassy. Garfield's feeling sassy and, and he says, single women used to shoot you down, but he's thinking that. And that's a joke because um, I think John's a virgin or Adam's a virgin and Gar Garfield's making fun of him for it. Because um, if, if, uh, if, you know, Adam was getting, um, you know, was, was active, uh, he'd be getting more phone calls. This next one's from Zitz, um, which is about which is about teenagers, uh, which which I think are great because you know I'm a teenager and I can relate. So um, in this panel, Jeremy and Sarah, who are the, the Zitz kid, is Jeremy, and I think his girlfriend. They're they're like embracing nose to nose, they're you know in love or whatever. And then um, Sarah says, "Jeremy, can I ask you a question?" And then Jeremy says, "Sure, Sarah." And then in the next panel. Sarah says, what kind of future do you see for us? But, oh, Sarah's not there. It's a, it's a bomb. It's a dynamite bomb. And Jeremy looks nervous. And he goes, tick-tock, tick-tock, 
um, and then the next panel, Jeremy's trying to try to cut the wires of the bomb. So I had to fuse it. He goes, uh, well, it goes tick tock, tick tock. And the next panel, uh, Jeremy slips a wire and it says, I see us holding hands. We walk down a tropical beach at sunset. And then, and he slips a wire. He's looks scared. He's like covering his eyes almost like, ah, oh, the bomb's going to go off. And then in the fifth panel, uh, in the fifth panel, uh, Jeremy goes, woo. Uh, cause the bomb says, that's so sweet. Uh, because it means that he, he fused the bomb. In the final panel, Sarah's hugging Jeremy and she says, I'm so lucky to be with you. And then Jeremy says, yeah, I feel lucky too. And um, that, one's, that one's funny because uh, basically, you know, I feel as if you've been in relationships when, uh, you know, you know that feeling when you're significant other is like, hey, you know, what do, what do you think? Well, what's our future? Like, you know, the talk. And so Jeremy doesn't want doesn't to talk about his feelings right now. You know, you know how boys get. So he's he um he views the bomb. All right, last the last cartoon that I, I wanted to share. Um, this is from Dilbert. Um, this is from Dilbert. Uh, okay, so Dilbert's Dilbert's sitting on the couch. He's got he's got his dog there, and um, the dog says, "Therefore, Curly must have been the smartest of all the Stooges." You know, I don't know what they're talking about. And then there's a ring, ring on the phone, and then Dilbert gets up and he answers the phone, and he's holding it, and he goes, "I won what?" And then there's a question mark, exclamation mark, exclamation point, which shows how excited he is. And the final panel, not the final, the third panel rather, Dilbert's shaking a dog and he's saying, I won the lottery, we're, we're, we're millionaires, Dogbert. He named his dog Dogbert, because his name Dilbert. And then, then there's a knock at the door, knock, knock, knock. And then um, a reporter comes, says, global news, may I interview you on your sudden wealth? And it's a reporter with a camera, he's holding a microphone, he has a suit on, and Dilbert answered the door. And then, um, uh, so the reporter has a microphone, he puts it in Dilbert's face, and Dilbert's like, what? And then um, the sound effect says, poink, which I think is because it hits his face. And the reporter says, what do you like, what do you like to say to the entire planet? And then in the sixth panel, the sixth panel, there's like a line drawn. So this isn't what Dilbert's thinking or saying. This is him narrating. He goes, the wealth had come quickly. And we sit Dilbert with him with the microphone and he's looking nervous. He goes, um, and then, and then the final panel, it says, and just as quickly it was gone. And then Dilbert says, drinks for everybody. And that's, um, and that's funny because Dilbert just won the lottery and he, he bought everyone drinks. And so now he doesn't have any money because it was everyone in the world because it was for global news. Um, so he bought a drink for everyone in the world. So those are some things I do for fun. That's um, some cartoons. Um, okay, we're back to the book. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna go. Um, let's just open a page up. Let's open a page up. Okay, we're gonna open the page. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna open. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, chapter chapters um, thirteen and fourteen. They're quick. Okay, they're two quick chapters. Okay. I took a step back. My sneakers sinking into the soft ground. Soft ground. Oh boy, the air was heavy and still. No one made a sound. Nothing moved. Dead. What? I'm surrounded by death. I thought then. Frozen to the spot, unable to breathe. The darkness swirled around me. The gravestones spinning in their own black shadows. I thought, what is he gonna do to me? Ray, I managed to call out. My voice suddenly fainted far away. Ray, are you really dead? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, you weren't supposed to find out yet. <laughs> okay, he said, <laughs> he said, in his, his voice floating low and heavy on the stifling night air. 
but how? I mean, I don't understand. He put, I looked past him to the darting white light of the flashlight. Josh was several rows away, almost the street, still searching for Petey. Petey, I whispered. Oh, Petey, I whispered, dread choking my throat, my stomach tightening in horror. Dogs always know, Ray said in a low, flat tone. Dogs always recognize the living dead. That's why they have to go first. They, oh my God, they always know? <laughs> you mean Petey's dead? I choked out the words. Ray nodded. They kill the dogs first. <laughs> no, I screamed. I'm sorry, Aunt Linda, uh, but the Petey's dead. I screamed and took uh, another step back, nearly losing my balance as I bumped into a low marble gray stone. I jumped away from it. You weren't supposed to see this, Ray said, his narrow face expressionless except for his pale eyes, which revealed, which revealed real sadness. You weren't supposed to know. Not for another few weeks anyway. I'm the watcher. I'm supposed to watch to make sure you didn't see until it was time. He took a step toward me, his eyes lighting up red, burning into mine. Were you watching me from the window? I cried. Was that you in my room? Again, he nodded. I used to live in your house, he said taking another step closer, forcing me back against the cold marble stone. I'm the watcher. I forced myself to look away, to stop staring into his glowing eyes. I wanted to scream to Josh and run to get help, but he was too far away and I was frozen there, frozen with fear. We need fresh blood, Ray said. What? I cried. What are you saying? The town, it can't survive without fresh blood. None of us can. You'll understand soon, Amanda. You'll understand why we had to invite you into the house, to the dead house. <laughs> In a darting, zigzagging beam of light, I could see Josh moving closer, heading our way. Run, Josh, I thought. Run away fast. Get someone. Get anyone. I could think these words. Why couldn't I scream them? Ray's eyes glowed brighter. He was standing right in front of me now, his features set hard and cold. <laughs> Ray, even though, <laughs> even through my jeans, the marble gravestone felt cold against the back of my legs. I messed up, he whispered. I was the watcher. I messed up. Ray, what are you going to do? His red eyes flickered. I'm really sorry. He started to race himself off the ground to float over me. I, I could feel myself start to choke. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I opened my mouth to call out to Josh, but no sound came. Josh, where is he? I looked down the rows of gravestones, but I couldn't see the light. Ray floated up a little higher. He hovered over me, choking on, choking me somehow, blinding me, suffocating me. I'm dead, I thought, dead. Now I'm dead too. Chapter 14. <laughs> and then suddenly light broke through the darkness the light shone in ray's face the bright white halogen light what's going on josh asked in a high-pitched nervous voice amanda what's happening ray cried out and dropped back to the ground turn that off turn it off he screeched his voice a shrill whisper like wind through a broken window pane but josh held the bright beam of light on ray What's going on? What are you doing? I could breathe again. As I stared at the light, I struggled to stop my heart from pounding so hard. Ray moved his arms to shield himself from the light. <clears throat> but I could see what was happening to him. The light had already done its damage. 
Ray's skin seemed to be melting. His whole face sagged, then fell, <laughs> dropping off his skull. Oh, God. I stared into the circle of light, light, unable to look away as Ray's skin folded and drooped and melted away, as the bone underneath was revealed. His eyeballs rolled out of their sockets and fell silently to the ground. Josh, frozen in horror, somehow held the bright light steady, and we both stared at the grimming skull, its dark crater staring back at us. Oh, I shrieked as Ray took a step toward me, but then I realized that Ray wasn't walking. He was falling. I jumped aside as he crumpled to the ground and gasped as his skull hit me on the top of the marble gravestone and cracked open with a sickening splat. Come on, Josh shouted. Amanda, come on. He grabbed my hand and tried to pull me away, but I couldn't stop staring down at Ray, now a pile of bones inside a puddle of crumpled clothes. Amanda, come on. Then, before I even realized it, I was running, running behind Josh as fast as I could down the long row of graves toward the street. The light flashed against the blur of gravestones as we ran, slipping on the soft dew-covered grass, grasping at the still hot air. We've got to tell mom and dad, got to get away from here, I cried. They, they won't believe it, Josh said. As we searched the street, we kept running, our sneakers thudding hard against the pavement. I'm not sure I believe it myself. They've got to believe us, I told him. If they don't, we'll, we'll drive them out of the house. The white beam of light pointed the way as we ran through the dark, silent streets. They were no street lights, no lights on the windows of the house we passed, no car headlights, such a dark world we had entered. And now it was time to get out. When we ran the rest of the way home, I kept looking back to see if anyone was following us, but I didn't see anyone. The neighborhood was still empty. I had the sharp pain in the side, in my side as we reached home but I forced myself to keep running up the gravel driveway with its thick blanket of dead leaves pushed on the front porch. I pushed open the door and both Josh and I started to scream, Mom, Dad, where are you? Silence. We ran into the living room. The lights were all off. Mom, Dad, are you here? Please be here, I thought, my heart racing. Pain still on my sharp side, still sharp in my side. Please be here. We searched the house, but they weren't home. And that's chapter 14. Ladies and gentlemen, it seems um, we're at that that time once again, um, and, and we're out of time. And you know, we never got to finish the book, um, which is disappointing. I hope you guys all had fun. But let's skip ahead. I'm going to go to the last page just to see the ending. This is a, the final page of the book. Oh, this is a this is a, a look at the next book. Sorry, hold on. And then I turned and ran full speed down the street. Wasn't that Mr. Dawes standing at the porch, flipboard in hand, I wondered, catching a glimpse of the dark figures I ran to the car. No, it couldn't be Mr. Dawes up there waiting for them, I decided. It just couldn't be. I didn't look back. I slammed the car door behind me and we sped away. And that, that's how the book ends. Um, so I, 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 here's my prediction. I think, I think, um, I think her parents are dead. I think, I think so Petey's dead. The dog died. Um, Amanda and Josh just narrowly escaped. Um, and it was really, um, really inspiring. I, I, overall, R.L. Stein, I gotta say not a great job. Uh, if I had to rate this book with Animorphs, I'd say Animorphs did a better job. It was a little more problematic in Animorphs. Um, R.L. Stein had a couple of weird lines. Um, you know, why they talk about dad so much um, in the beginning. I, I did like the mom. That she had a lot of, a lot of good character. Um, 
And you know, before we end, uh, we, we, we have a little tradition here. We, we end with an update on my screenplay. It's a little update on my personal life. So the new title of my screenplay is uh, Jeopardy in the Marriott Hotel. Um, this was a hard decision to make, but um, I, 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 Marriott Hotel reached out and offered a sponsor. So uh, we, we, we complied. So, so the new title, working title right now is Jeopardy in the Marriott Hotel. Um, I, I, I renamed the main character to Agnes. I, I felt that um, what I had before wasn't working. Um, and, and, I, and I have a lead on this girl. Uh, she's from Russia. Uh, she said she's going to fly over and, and play Agnes, but I have to wire her some money first. But I think it'll work out. She seems like a great actress. Um, I, I did spend four hours at a Panera Bread working on it this week. Um, I ended up getting a soup bowl uh, and a bread bowl. It was good. Um, but I, I ended up uh, going on Facebook for, for a good amount of time. Um, you know, I stalked my ex-girlfriend, Amanda Porter. She's in Alabama right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her. She, she's having a nice time. And, and then one of the employees came out and was like, hey, sir, you have to wear a mask on. And I said, why? I'm in the bathroom. And he said, no, you have to. It's the rules. So I, I got in a big fight about, about having masks on. So he, so he distracted me. So I didn't really get any work done. But um, you know, my deadline's coming up. I, I feel okay about it. I, you know, it's, just, it's just not my best work, okay? Um, and, and you know, before we end, I just want to embark some words of wisdom. Um, you know, a, a book is like a cherry blossom. You can mire it all day long, but if you eat it, it's, it's not going to taste very good. Um, and with that, um, that's the end of our show, folks. Um, I'm going to play us out. Uh, thank you so much to everyone uh, for, for coming. Uh, I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening. Um, please follow my Instagram. Um, I, I really need moral support on my Instagram. Get, I get very self-conscious. Uh, so yeah, if you have any recommendations for books, uh, let, let me know. Thank you to R.L. Stein. Uh, thank you to the, thank you to the person in the library who helped me pick the book out. Uh, you did a great job, and I, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you to Aunt Linda for coming uh, and narrating. I, I went to Starbucks this morning. They gave me a decaf coffee. I won the I won the caffeine. something really important to say uh, i just want to say that uh, you have to remember every time to to um go forward